an opinion about the Bible? Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I'm talking about a program. I'm going through a series of how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. And we come to this last and final program entitled How to Receive the Spirit of God. Now, in the last program, I talked about the importance of choosing a support group. Yes, there comes a point in time when after you've developed a relationship with God in the privacy of your home with just you and your Bible, in the absence of church and religion, once you develop that relationship with God, you're going to want to choose a support group because there are some things you just can't do by yourself. You can't, you know, you can't baptize yourself. You can't lay hands on yourself for the receiving of the Spirit of God. No, this is something that the church is involved in, in helping you do this. So I want to give you a step-by-step -step process for receiving this Holy Spirit of God. Now there's two big mistakes people make. In fact, they are deadly mistakes that people make when it comes to the Spirit of God. The first one is not recognizing the need for the Holy Spirit. Many people walk around oblivious and they wonder why we live in a world of pain and suffering and heartache and why everything is going wrong and why, you know, my neighbor, I can't get along with my neighbor, I can't get along with my family members. And they, they never figure out why they even need the Spirit of God that would transform their lives. The, so that's the first deadly mistake, not recognizing the need for the Holy Spirit. The second one is assuming that you're born with the Holy Spirit or that you already have the Holy Spirit of God. You know, many religious people will think, well, because I'm religious, because I go to church, I must have the Holy Spirit of God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from, don't ever make that assumption that you just have, you just think you have the Holy Spirit of God. No, it's something that you know you have. You either have it or you do not have it. It's like being half, a woman being half pregnant. There's no such thing as being half pregnant. You are either pregnant or you are not pregnant. You either have the Holy Spirit of God or you do not have the Holy Spirit of God. And if you have it, you know you have it. Okay. Now, let me tell you what you can do without the Holy Spirit. You can go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday without the Holy Spirit. You can sing in the choir. You can serve on a mission field. You can be involved in great humanitarian works. You can uh, be a youth minister. You can uh, do great religious works. You can be a minister over a mega church without the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. What you cannot do is submit to God's authority. Without the Holy Spirit of God, it is impossible to submit to God's authority, to submit to God's law. Now let's take a look at this, the reason why. Romans 8 and verse 7. Because the carnal mind, and that just means the natural mind that we're born with, is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. 
without the Spirit of God, you cannot submit truly to the law of God. Now, you may be able to submit to the law of God as far as the letter of the law is concerned. You know, you may be able not to cheat on your wife. But as far as the spirit of the law, what goes on between the ears, what you think about, you know, undressing a woman in your mind, you're not going to be able to do that. You may be able not to murder somebody. You're not, you don't actually take, you can keep the letter of the law. You don't actually go around killing people. But in your mind, all kinds of anger and hatred goes on. So you're never going to be able to keep the spirit of the law without the spirit of God. You may be able to do some pretty good things from the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. And without the spirit of God, you can be deeply religious. You can. Deeply, deeply religious. So if you're a religious person, you have to ask yourself this question. Why is there a theology out there that says among Christians, among religious people, among, why are there churches out there, so many of them that say, that have a theology that says the law's been abolished, it's been fulfilled, it's been nailed to the cross. There's nothing you must do. Grace plus nothing. Obedience is not important. Why is there a theology out there that dots our landscape with many, many, many churches that actually say this? that obedience is not important. When the Bible says in Hebrews 5 and verse 9, it says, He, Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. Why are the churches telling me the exact opposite, that obedience is not really that important? When, when God says, Christ became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. Well, the reason is this. Romans 8 and verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You can be deeply religious without the internal presence of the Holy Spirit of God, but you will not be able to submit to the law of God. You're not going to be able to do it without the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 7 and verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in your name cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. The word iniquity just means lawlessness. It's a no-law theology, and yet they've done many wonderful works. They've fed the poor. They've had the soup kitchens. They've done all kinds of humanitarian works. They do great works in their communities. Jesus does not deny that they've done many wonderful works. He just says you have a no-law theology. You are workers of iniquity you, because you've never received the Spirit of God and been able to submit to its authority. This is, what, this is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. This is, this is why the Spirit of God is so important. You see, just because you use the name Jesus doesn't mean that you have the Spirit of God. So the first deadly mistake, you know, thinking that, okay, I'm born with the Holy Spirit of God and not realizing there is a step-by-step -step process for receiving it. The other deadly mistake is not recognizing the need for the Spirit of God you know, not recognizing the need for it. And in my personal life, you know, 
I, I remember as a teenager thinking, I was at a party, just watching what people, teenagers do at a party. I sort of got off to myself looking at all, all that, and I thought, man, there's got to be more to life than this. If this is all there is to life, you know, just getting drunk and doing whatever people do, you know, it was amazing. It was an amazing reality that came upon my mind to realize it's got to be more to life than this. And I began to recognize I have a need for something that I don't have. And it was the Spirit of God. Now, the Bible basically reveals a world that has been cut off from access to the Holy Spirit of God. In Genesis 3 and verse 22, we read this, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, and, to, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat forever. In other words, they were banned from this tree of life you know, which really represents receiving the Holy Spirit of God. They were cut off from this tree. They were cut off from the presence of God's Holy Spirit. In other words, God did not want mankind to live forever in a state of rebellion. And neither do we, when you think about it. Neither do we. And it's not enough to know the difference between good and evil. Man must develop the character to choose the good. And that's a process. So man was cut off from access to the tree of life, which really is, represents the Spirit of God. And we are reaping, you know, basically 6,000 years of man having been cut off from the Spirit of God. Now, it doesn't mean, and so what, what can we do about it? Let's ask this question. You know, what can we do about it? Well, there is something you can do about it. Now, when you look at the world in which you live in, do you love the world in which you live in? Now, I'm not talking about loving the beauty of our nation or, or of the world. You know, it is uh, a wonderful world when you think of God's creation and all that is beautiful and, you know, the, the, the rivers, the, the lakes, the oceans, the, the, the moon, the, you know, all of God's creation. We love that part of the world. But when you watch your local news, do you love that? You hear about beheadings. You hear about missing children. Have you seen these children? You read the FBI crime clock. Every so many minutes, you know, a murder, a rape occurs. You watch the evening news. Do you love the world in which you live? You know, there's a, uh, a song by Ann Murray many years ago entitled, We Sure Could Use a Little Good News Today. And that's, that's absolute truth. You know, the words to that song say something like this. There's a local paper rolled up in a rubber band. One more sad story. One more than I can stand. Just once how I'd love to see the headline say, not much to print today. Can't find nothing bad to say. Because nobody robbed a liquor store on the lower part of town. Nobody OD'd. Nobody burned a single building down. Nobody fired a shot in anger. Nobody had to die in vain. We sure could use a little good news today. No, more, no one was assassinated in the whole third world today. And in the streets of Ireland, all the children had to do was play. And everybody loves one another in the good old USA. We sure could use a little good news today. You know, that, that's basically what you think when you watch the evening news. We sure could use a little good news today. 
So what can you do about this sin-sick world in which we live? There is something you can do about it. There is something you can do about it, and that is surrender to God and receive the Spirit of God. That's what will change your world. Now, I mentioned, yes, man, for the most part, has been cut off, but there is a way back. There is a way to get to God, to approach God, and to receive the Holy Spirit of God. There is a way to receive the Holy Spirit of God. And let's take a look at that way. Acts 2 and verse 38. Acts 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things you want to do when it comes to repenting is repent of living a life void of the Holy Spirit. You know, all of this time I've been running around living a life void of the Spirit of God. I knew something. I knew I was missing something. I knew there was more to life than this. But I had to have it my way. And, you know, here I am getting old and gray and, and I still feel like I'm missing something. Well, yes, the Holy Spirit of God. So the first thing you want to repent of is repent of living a life void of the Spirit of God. Because that void has caused you to be, in, to be unable to submit to God's law, which is much of the cause of the pain and suffering all around in our world today. Because man is void of the Spirit of God. I mean, think about it. What kind of neighbor do you want? Do you want your neighbor stealing your stuff? Do you want your neighbor hitting on your wife? Do you want your neighbor to be some kind of child molester and you're, you live in fear because of your children and you don't want them to get hurt? What kind of neighbors do you want? You want a law-abiding citizen is what you want to be living beside you. So why are we not a law-abiding nation? The answer is very simplistic. Romans 8 and verse 7. Because the natural mind, the carnal mind, is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. You know, there was a song by Michael Jackson. And I don't normally quote Michael Jackson in a message, but... This song was powerful. It was entitled, Man, Man in the Mirror. And it goes, he says, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his way. And nothing could have been any more clear. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. Well, let me tell you something. You will never change that man in the mirror void of the Holy Spirit of God. All you will do, do void of the Holy Spirit of God is crash and burn again and again and again. You need the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, repent, it tells us. Repent and be baptized. Repent of what? Repent of sin. What is sin? The breaking of God's law. 1 John 3, 4. Sin is the transgression of God's law. Then it tells us to be baptized. And, and baptism is the burial of the old man. You bury that old man. And you come up out of the waters ready to live a new creature in Christ. Ready to live a totally different than you've been living. It's the burial. That's what baptism represents. The burial of the old man. You go down in a watery grave and you come up ready to live in a new way of life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Folks, there is no other name given among men whereby men 
you know, people may be saved. It is the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Savior who can save someone from their destructive behavior. He's the only answer, in other words. And you shall receive the gift, and here's the power, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to mention something here that I think is important. After baptism, there is something called the laying on of hands. And it's easy to overlook this, and some people think it's not important, but I believe it is. You know, if you study that expression, laying on of hands, you know, when kings came to power, they laid hands on them and prayed over them. When healing, they laid hands on the sick, and the sick were healed. Gifts of the Spirit. You lay hands on the person and ask for the many different gifts of the Spirit. Baptism, you lay hands on the person and ask God to give that person a portion of His Holy Spirit. Well, let's take a look at this verse in Acts 8 and verse 14. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Spirit of God. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now here were people who had gone through the motion, they had gone through baptism, they had accepted Christ as their personal Savior, and yet they had not received the Spirit of God at this point. Why? What was missing? What was lacking? All right, next verse, verse 17. Then laid thee their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, now, this is why I think it's so important, the laying on of hands. Because here were people, and I think a lot of religious people fit into this category. They, you know, they've gone through, you know, they accepted Christ as their personal Savior. They've gone down in the waters of baptism, but they, they know something's missing. And well, that something missing may be the Spirit of God. Because it's important to follow the instruction book. Here were people who did not receive the Spirit of God and then laid the, their hands on them. This is all a part of the ceremony when a person goes down in the waters of baptism. In our church, what happens is a person goes down into the water, they come up, we lay our hands, a servant of God lays his hand on your head. And again, this is why the church is so important because you can't do this yourself. And the person, I might say something like, Father, this person stands before you clean. All sins washed away. Hey, listen, what would you be willing to pay to hear those words spoken in your ear? How important is it, would it be for you to hear those words, Father, this person stands before you clean. To have it all, all past sins, washed away. Well, I said, what would you pay? You don't have to pay a thing because it is a free gift. And at that moment, at that moment, we say something like, Father, I ask you now to give this person a per, a, your Holy Spirit, a portion of your Holy Spirit that will guide, that will direct, that will lead, that will correct, that will lead that person into eternal life a personal, true relationship with God where you are led by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Not led by the church, necessarily. Not led by a man. Not led by some religious guru. But you're led by the Holy Spirit of God. You, you can't be led by the Holy Spirit of God if you don't have it. 
It is critical to have the indwelling presence of the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's a way to receive the Spirit of God. There is a way. And this is your moment of conception. You know, just like, you know, you know there is a spirit in man. And God's Spirit unites with your spirit. And at that moment, a new man starts starts to develop. A new creature in Christ starts to develop at that moment. It is your, it is, it's, it's like the second birth. I mean, it's your, it's when the new creature starts to develop. And you know, you don't want to put that off forever. You don't want to put that off forever. You know, you don't want to be 80 years old and start this process because it is a process. It doesn't occur overnight. Conversion doesn't take place overnight. It's a long drawn out process. And that spirit that is now in you starts to work on you. Again, it's not an overnight experience. The working of the Holy Spirit in your life, the leadership of the Holy Spirit is a lifetime process. And you go from, it takes time, but you go from instead of hostility and resentment toward the law of God, you start, you start to comply to the law of God. Instead of building a theology that does away with the law of God, and that's what you have out there in the area of religion. For the most part, you have theologies that are built that explains why we don't have to do this, we don't have to do that, we don't have to do this, we don't have to do anything. Just believe. You have a theology that dismisses the law of God, that does away with it, does away with it, that says it's not important. But instead of that, instead of building a theology that does away with the law of God, you start to understand why the law of God is important and how it applies to your personal life in every avenue. You start to understand God never gave a bad law. The only thing that's bad is people's interpretations of the law, like preachers' interpretations. Of, that's what's bad. But God never gave a bad law. He never gave, you know, why would he? Why would he? Uh, God's not interested, you start to understand that God's not interested in spending eternity with a pack of rebels. And therefore, the Spirit of God causes you to submit to the will of God. You start to understand that obedience is not a bad word, regardless of what you've heard in church. Obedience is not a bad word. You start to understand Hebrews 5 and verse 9 that says, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. You start to understand Acts 5.32 that says, God gives his Spirit to them that obey him. And you start to understand why that is important. You go from just having a religious experience to truly knowing the will of God. You know, and how important is this? You know, I, what I'm convinced of is this. There's a lot of religious people out there in the world who know something's missing. They're just having a religious experience, but they don't really truly know God. And that's because they've never dealt with this natural mind. They've never admitted that they have a lot of hostility, a lot of resentment, a lot of you know, disfavor toward God and His law. They don't like it. They don't want to submit, and they don't understand that. And they don't understand that there's only one way to get rid of that rebellion. You know, there, there, there's a rebellion going on inside of you. That rebellion is towards God's will, God's law.
And there's only one way to deal with that, and that is to receive the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God transforms the rebellious heart of man. It really does. And I know of no other way of transforming the rebellious heart of man. Of man. There's no, it's not something that you can do on your own. You can't pray enough. You can't fast enough. You can't go to church enough to deal with this issue. There's only one way to deal with it, and that is by receiving the Holy Spirit of God. You were created incomplete. From the get-go, man was created incomplete. It's the way God designed us. We're lacking something. That's why often, as a teenager, you felt like, I'm missing something. I wonder what it is I'm missing. Even though you had loving parents, even though you had parents that cared for you, you felt like, I am missing something. I know I am missing something. Well, that something is the Spirit of God because you're incomplete without it. You were never meant to live out your entire existence without receiving the Spirit of God. It's the very reason you exist is to come to that point of surrender, of repentance, and saying, God, I need you. I need something that you have. I need a power that you have and that you say, you said you'll freely give me. And that is the Spirit of God in my life. And once that happens, that, like I said, that is your moment of conception. And things from that point, once you receive the Spirit of God, things will never be the same. And so, you know, quit living your life as though this is not important. Yeah, it takes humility to submit to this. It takes humility to go to a church, a minister, or whatever, and say, I want to be baptized. You know, we think about, well, what will my friends say? And what will other people think of me if I do that? You know, and a lot of times religious people, their hang up is this. They've spent so many years thinking that they have the Spirit of God, and all of a sudden they realize they don't. And it would be a humbling experience to admit that what you've had up to this point is sort of like not the real McCoy. And so a lot of religious people will never go through this step to actually receive the Spirit of God because it would make them look not as smart as they thought they were or whatever, you know. But, it takes humility to do it, to, but, but anyway, there is no other way to change the rebellious heart of man but by receiving the Spirit of God. And that's what's really in your Bible. Is it possible for you to change a desire that you know is wrong? Is it even possible to change the man or woman in the mirror? And if so, how? Are we simply stuck with our emotions, feelings, bad habits, with no hope of ever rising above them? Your Bible says, God gives His Holy Spirit to them that obey Him, which means change is possible. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your two free magazines why you need the Spirit of God, and should you be baptized. Having the Spirit of God makes the impossible possible. Order by writing to, Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 
24151 or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.